0: going to read our text for this morning, and it's going to come from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16, and when I finish, uh, I'm going to ask Ed, if you would, to uh, come on up and pray for me and pray for us, because I feel really weird this morning, Uh, mostly physically. Uh, I just feel kind of drained probably because I didn't sleep well last night. So, uh, though I had people pray for me earlier, I just, I really sense any God's prayer. So, Ed, if you'd pray, come up and pray. Ephesians 4, verse 11. It was he, that is Jesus, who gave gifts. He gave some of these gifts were people to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. Their purpose to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure and the fullness of Christ. What a job description. Then, when these things are happening we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, this whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Thank you, Ed. I'm going to ask you a question. It's not in your notes, but it is uh, intended to be a question that you would write your response down to. So whether you're planning to take sermon notes or not, if you have a worship folder and a pen ready, it will really help you, I think, as we go into this, if you would write your response. not what you think, I would want you to say, what is your answer to this question? How do you measure a healthy church? How do you measure a healthy church? Or what criteria, measurements, markers would you use to make the determination, that's a healthy church? I recognize it and I see it because what? In the introduction to his book The Measure of a Healthy Church subtitled How God Defines Greatness in a Church Dr. Gene Getz points out that there are many ways that people measure the health and greatness of a church. We look at things like how big is it? How much money is given to missions? Others say Evangelism, how many people are coming to faith, that is the indication. Still others believe it's how well it's organized and structured, the number of programs that exist. Others like or look at the level of enthusiasm among the congregation. Do they, are they having fun together? Do they enjoy being together? And those are just a few things that people look at. And unfortunately, says Getz, Some people actually believe that these things are biblical markers of maturity. Let me hasten to add, he says, many of these things will be and must be present in a mature church. There will be activity. There will be people leading other people to Christ. There will be an emphasis and a strong desire for missions. There will be a sense of enthusiasm and excitement. But unfortunately, all of those things can also be present without having maturity. He goes on. How God measures a healthy church based on the New Testament has to do with things like the authenticity of its members, their understanding of who Jesus Christ is, and their reflection of him in their daily life. That is what really matters. I submit to you that the pattern for the systematic progress for the building of a healthy, mature church is found in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. It is God's plan for growth in a church. Let me say this. That we grow is important. How we grow is crucial. Let's start by uh, establishing a foundation, and it's this. The foundational purpose and objective and priority of the church, as far as it relates to the believer, when believers come together, The foundational purpose and objective and priority of the church is found in the first line of verse 12 of Ephesians 4. To prepare God's people for works of service. To equip the saints. To perfect the saints. To mature the saints. We are here. We gather together in many different contexts and settings, but the purpose is that we would be built up, and that's the bottom line, to grow in our understanding and transformation to be more and more like Christ. And so everything else, evangelism, fellowship with one another, discipleship, mentoring, all of which is crucial is going to come from or flow out of a commitment of equipping God's people to do the work of the ministry. In the NIV, the word translated prepare or the word translated equip in the New American Standard is a Greek word that means to be mature, to be complete, to be grown up. To be fully equipped and ready to go. And it carries with it the idea of the process moving toward perfection. As a church, and this falls heavily on church leadership, leadership in any level of ministry, our calling of God is to equip his people, to mature the saints, to edify, to make capable the people of God. So the question is, how do you do that? And I believe the answer to that is in this text. Two basic dimensions that I want us to look at from this section of Scripture. The first dimension I'm going to call the progress to perfection, I'm going to define what I mean by perfection in a little bit. Because on this side of heaven, ain't no way, not no one, going to be perfect. In case I just needed to bring it down a little bit for you. When I say perfection, we're talking about maturity. Spiritual maturity. We're talking about being grown up in Christ. We're talking about being fully equipped, but what is the process? The process towards this perfection, right out of the Scripture, threefold. One, he's given gifted people to the church for the purpose of this equipping. Secondly, those people who have been equipped, they are to do the work of the ministry. And third, the result of that is that the body will be built up. Before I unpack each one, I just want to help you out with something. My job description is not to do the ministry. Though I imagine many of you think, well, that's what we pay you for. Actually, biblically, what you pay me for is to equip you so that you can do the ministry. And everybody said, there we go. First thing I want to look at, he gave gifted people to the church to equip the saints. Verse 11, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. Now I want to stress here that Paul is not, not, he is not talking about spiritual gifts here. Talks about spiritual gifts and other letters that he's written. He's talking here about people who fulfill roles and functions in the church. Now, I'm not going to take the time to unpack it. I just want you to know that I know that there are two extreme sides of debate regarding questions about this verse, like. Do apostles and prophets exist today? And there's two very big swings of argument on that. You can do that study later. My take, based on the context that we find this, and on word studies, lands, I think, somewhere in between those two views. Meaning... I believe that Jesus still gives his church apostles, small a. And I believe he still gives his church prophets, small p. Not capital A like the apostle Paul, not capital P like the prophet Jeremiah. But there are people who fulfill, are called to fulfill these roles in the church. For the purpose of this message, the question that I want to wrestle with is not what is an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, etc., but rather we need to ask the question, what is the work of or the role of an apostle, prophet, evangelist? What are the functions of these people in a church? And to that end, I simply would say this in your notes. Apostles, these are people who focus on extending the influence of the gospel geographically. These people see the next thing. They're the ones who are pushing the envelope, pushing the church to go beyond themselves. They get pretty tired and frustrated with the norm and the same thing happening. This person is able to look at the spiritual landscape and see where God is working, and hey, we need to go there. Use the term spiritual entrepreneur, if you will. They're able to see over the horizon to the next thing. I would say that there are some church planters, district superintendents, certainly lay people as well who fill this kind of a role. That's why they are church planters, because they see the next thing and a true church planner. Once they've established the church, they can't stay there. It'll drive them nuts and drive the church nuts. If they stay there, they need to go plant another church because that's the role, the function they fill. Prophets. Prophets focus on extending the influence of the gospel through exhortations, calls to personal holiness in light of revealed truth. One could say, the prophet's message is not one of comfort and encouragement. The message of the prophet has to do with confrontation and exhortation. So I hope you're with me. I hope you understand. If a pastor is really has the prophetic role, the message week after week after week is going to be ba-bam, kaboom, whammo. And you're going to be going, Grace, Grace, please, some grace. Evangelist. This person pushes the church, calls the church, pleads for the church to extend the influence of the gospel that as many people as possible will hear. They're always aware of the lost, and they always, remain, they always remind others that there are people who are lost, right next door, across the street, who you work with in the next town, in the town beyond that, in Omaha, in New York, in Zambia, wherever it is, they're going to call you, call you, call you to something more, because lost people matter to God, amen? Pastors, this is going to be hard for some of you because when you put a title on somebody, well, that you're the pastor. Focus on extending the influence of the gospel to restore individual lives with demonstrations of compassion through loving nature and care. Teachers in a church who have this role, this function... They extend the influence of the gospel by explaining how God's revealed truth relates to your life. How to apply it. They're about discipleship, instruction, systematization. But most of all, they explain so you can understand it and they call you to apply it. All five of these functions are important for a healthy church. Can you see that? They live in tension with each other. The apostle is calling them on. The prophet is calling them deeper. The pastor is going, hey, let's give them a break and pray together. Together as a team, these individuals plan, implement, and guide a church into being all that God has intended it to be. These five gifts to the church, the functions they fulfill, constitute healthy church leadership. Can you imagine if all of leadership were prophets? Together, these five people, and not necessarily that it's going to just be five people, when in proper proportion constitute essential elements that lead to effective ministry, they are Christ's gift to his church. And I hope you can understand that one or more of those functions could be missing in a church. Which means that upon recognizing it, they may need to look outside of themselves to bring in some help and some tension with that because we don't have that person already here. But he exists in the church. Here's the key. The common function of all five of these people, Christ's gift to the church, their common goal and purpose is to mature the saints, to edify, to make capable the people of God to do the work of the ministry. Okay. To bring about health and maturity in the church, Christ gave, gives, gifts of people to the church to equip the saints But secondly, those people who have been equipped do the work of the ministry. The saints are going to do the work of the ministry. Would you look again with me at Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 12? was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that The body of Christ may be built up. The word of God is preached, proclaimed, taught. Happens in small groups. Whatever the context, and people of God are equipped and built up. Why? Well, for my own spiritual edification. No. It's to equip you to do the work of the ministry. And everybody said, Oh, much quieter that time. I believe that is God's design for a healthy church. God has gifted his church with people who are able to function in the church in these various roles so that the people of God, all those that he has purchased out of the marketplace can be prepared, mature, lacking nothing so that they can be equipped to minister, to act and to do what God has called the church to do and to be, including good works that he prepared ahead of time for us to do. Ministry teams equipped to effectively accomplish, to bear kingdom fruit in whatever area they're called to do. A ministry team working with children, a ministry team working with youth, a ministry team working in the area of discipleship or missions or whatever it is. Why? To take those people who are equipped to build up and bring to maturity the body of Christ. Happens in groups, happens life on life. Third result, as the Word of God is taught and preached and the saints are equipped and do the work of the minister, the result of those things is the body is built. End of verse 12, so that the body of Christ may be built up. Now, when those things are happening in the body of Christ, the body is going to be built at least on two levels. First, it's going to be built on the inside. You are going to be built personally as a believer. As you hear the word, study the word, and do what it says, your faith is going to grow deeper. Your trust is going to grow deeper. You're going to take risk because he's called you to, and as you take that risk, you see him faithful, and your faith deepens. You're going to understand more about the Word of God and thereby understand more about who He is. You're going to grow in how you relate to Him. You're going, you're going to grow, and as you grow, the body of Christ as a whole is built up. It's actually a very natural, no, no, it's a, it's a supernatural thing. As he's growing in me, as he's growing in you, as he's changing you, transforming you, you are going to, he is going to, through you, spill out on all sorts of people that you come in contact with. Like a gentle breeze in humility to walk into somebody's life and let them see Christ. Amen? the progress to perfection people that god has given god has given gifts to his church functioning as apostles prophets evangelists pastors teachers who who teach preach the word of god and as people hear and apply and study it on their own their lives are equipped thus growing in maturity these believers are engaged in acts of service they do the work of the ministry that God has called them to do, That is, God has called the church to be a part of, and the result of those things is that the body is built up inside and out. And I can promise you, ended up just on the cutting floor of trying to shorten a sermon. Those things are happening. Another one of the byproducts people will come to faith. People will come to faith and they'll come into that healthy church and they'll just fit right into what God is doing as they are brought along in their maturity. That's point number one. Point number two, the results of a maturing of the maturing of God's people. I see five things in verses 13 to 16. Don't worry, they're pretty short. First result of people being mature is unity. Verse 13. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of God. Until we all reach unity. We learned about this in the beginning of this chapter, verses 2 through 3. Be completely humble, gentle, patient, bear with one another, make every effort to what? Keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. When there is maturity, there is always unity. When we are mature, we have a view of the kingdom and kingdom ministry. We see things that are really important, which enables us in our maturity to set aside the petty. When we are immature and carnally minded, one of the things that frankly boggles the mind in terms of church life is how petty we can be, not not us. This is not some made-up illustration of hyperbole. It is true. The ridiculous things that churches fight over— Churches have split over the color something got painted. People have fought in foyers because how dare you move the wastebasket? That's where the wastebasket goes. Seems laughable until you're a part of it, until you see it. I believe that carnality and immaturity are the greatest contributors in the church to discord and strife. The first result of maturity and the building up of the body is going to be unity. The second result, again, out of verse 13, is the knowledge of the Son of God. The knowledge of the Son of God. The second result in this maturing process. Now, when I talk about the knowledge of the Son of God, catch this. This is not, I know Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Intellectually, I understand that. That's not this kind of knowledge. It's something deeper, something far more intimate. It's akin to the heart of Paul as expressed in Philippians 3.10 when he said, my ambition, my bottom line goal in my life is I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of the resurrection. This is an experiential knowing in relationship. And the Greek word that Paul chooses here to know speaks of that intimate, personal, relational knowing. And I could spend a whole message unpacking that, but we're going to look at that closer next week. Listen, this is awfully important. When the word of God is taught, preached, studied, when people gather together to discuss it, people hear it, and they apply it to their lives, I can't emphasize that part enough can't just be hearers of the word, right? Apply it to the lives, the saints are built up. And when the saints are built up, they're going to do the work of the ministry. And when the work of the ministry is being done, the body will be built. And when the body is built, there will have maturity in people's lives. And they're going to be marvelous unity because of that growing maturity. Not only that, but they are going, as a church body, they are going to intimately grow in their knowledge, of the Son of God in that body as well. Not just knowing about him. I know him. We know him. So I'm going to make him known. Dover. We are here to do some things that God has called us to do things that he has already prepared for us to do. We are, therefore, to grow up, to be transformed from glory to glory, to becoming more and more Christ-like, to be transformed into the image of Christ. To do that, part of that process is to know him more, to need him more, uh, to, to intimately know and need him more than you know him now. At the risk of embarrassing him, one of the things I really love about Arlen is he's a continued learner. Always wanting to know, not just here, but as he hears and studies, recognizing how God is continuing to want to change him. I point him out because he's not a young man anymore. And I think we can believe the lie that, yeah, you know, I've put in my time, I've been around a long time, you know, I don't have to. No, no, we are, to be a disciple is to be a lifelong learner. Immature people never really catch the glory of that truth. Third result, end of verse 13. Having become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I think it's safe to say, I think it's accurate to say that this verse represents the culmination of basically all that we've learned so far in Ephesians. Right there. Everything we've learned so far in this study points to that statement. We are called to be Christ to the world, the body, the body incarnate again if you will, to be Jesus with skin on. You've heard this before if you haven't, it didn't I didn't make it up, I'm not that clever. But you do realize, don't you, that you may be the only Christ that someone ever sees. When people bump into you, do they see Christ? Do they experience Christ? Because I can tell you what they don't need is more of Tim. How do we get to that point? Well, I've been telling you all morning. The Word of God is taught, preached, studied, interacted, prayed over. We hear it. We apply it to our lives. The saints are built up. When the saints are built up, they're going to do the work of the ministry. When the work of the ministry is happening in a body, the body is built up. When the body is built up, we have mature people. There's going to be marvelous unity. All of that is going to happen in connection with an intimate, personal knowledge of God. And from that place, we will become mature, attaining to the whole measure and the fullness of Christ. We will live out, we will be the body of Christ to a world that is desperate to know who he is. Christ-likeness transformed from the inside out. Fourth result of this maturity, no more doctrinal ignorance. Verse 14, will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by waves, blown here and there by every kind of teaching and by cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. You know what? There's a lot of bad teaching out there with a Christian stamp on it. Could you pick it out? Podcasts are a great thing. I'm telling you, great thing. But anybody and everybody can put stuff out there and how it's presented and how you hear it, whoo, that's pretty good. And not line up with Scripture. Would you know? Listen, it's not okay. To be shallow in your understanding of God's word. It's not okay to be naive. It's not okay okay to be superficial or gullible about the things that are found here. I think as a church, our responsibility is clear both to us personally, but also the calling and why we need to equip the saints. Have you figured out yet that evolution isn't true? If it's true, it would always be getting better and better. Is it getting better and better? No, it's going from bad to worse. And it's going to keep going that way until... Jesus says, time's up, which means it's all the more important that you know and understand who he is and what he's called us to. Fifth result of maturity, found in verse 15, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is, Christ. We speak the truth in love. Please hear this. Knowing the truth. Even being able to articulate that truth does not give me license to smack somebody over the head with it. In fact, if I do, I'm not as mature as I thought I was. And my truth to that person that I'm smacking over the head is going to be no more effective than an annoying gong in their ears as I'm talking. All it's going to be is wah, 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 wah. wah if I don't have love. Not sure I'm on base with that. Check out 1 Corinthians 13. However, if this progress towards maturity is indeed taking place in my life and I'm not the spiritual infant spoken of in verse 14, then when I see or hear what is false, I need to speak the truth. But I need to do it in love. Wait, I should really say that differently. I need to speak it in love. The love of Christ has to be our motivation. The love of Christ has to be our motivation. The goal, please, the goal is not to win an argument. The goal is to win a heart. To win a life. To see somebody snatched out of the kingdom of darkness or recorrected off of a wrong path that they've started to buy into. Amen? Speak the truth in love. Verses 15 and 16. Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together in every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love. Oh, don't miss the last six words. As each part does its work. As each part does its work. Worship team is going to come up, send us out with one last song, and then we'll have the benediction. So as they're stretching and standing, give somebody a hug next to you. Tell them that message was for you.